So we're going to talk about worship this morning and, and just what that word means and, and try to gather a better understanding. Um, I'll give you a little background uh, as the guy who, who is up here a lot leading the music. Um, I grew up in church, and I could say church is plural because I, we went to like, I don't even know, the gamut is very wide from like the... I had, like, my silk shirt and slacks and my tasseled loafers when I was a kid, and, like, very structured. I won't lie, there were a lot of mornings where I was trying to be quiet because I hoped, like, maybe we would just oversleep and I wouldn't have to go, which sounds really terrible. But, but like, as a kid, there were some experiences like that. Other churches we went to, uh, a little more casual, like, we had the, the 90s choruses from the Hillsong book, not Hillsong United, like, Hillsong. I won't name the titles because I don't want to offend anyone, but, but I loved them, and I grew up in it, and you know, sometimes it was hellfire and brimstone, um, just very diverse. So my, my experience of what it meant to worship was super fuzzy at best. Um, at a, you know, sometimes it was like screaming, shouting, jumping, dancing, freaked me out, and, and so I didn't really have any idea. Uh, but my mom played piano, uh, at church a lot. My dad was a singer. He would, he was kind of the worship leader at a couple churches. Um, he would go sing at revivals and like loved watching my dad sing. Uh, definitely learned a lot from him. Um, we even had our own PA system, which I thought was really cool, uh, <laughs> that I liked to play with as a kid. Um, but it, it was a really awesome thing to have growing up. Uh, parents who, who served in the church, who um, led worship and, and kind of modeled that. But again, I I didn't really have this, like, great idea of what it all meant. You know, my mom and I would sing in the car. That's kind of where I really learned to sing. We, just like the radio was on, it was loud, and we sang together uh, Amy Grant tapes, Christian radio. If you guys don't know what tapes are, pre-CD. Then we graduated to the CDs, and I have the DC Talk collection in my car to this day. Thank you. We got some fist bumps right on. If you guys ever want to party, let me know. Because I can sing all the words still. Um, sorry. So, so anyway, <clears throat> worship really meant singing to me. I was like, yeah, worship, like when you sing. And that, that's what worship is. But I, I think for a lot of us, that might be kind of a, a default mode that we fall into. Like we're talking about worship. We're like, oh, yeah, like when we worship, like Sunday when we sing. But I want to challenge that a bit. I, I want us to, to see the greater scope of, of what that means, of how that affects our lives. Um, you know, you've probably heard people say, like, hey, worship was really great today. And it's like, they're talking about the singing that happened in the gathering. Or they might be like, I couldn't really get into worship. Like, everything was in a minor key, and now I'm sad. Um, and so that, that's narrow, for sure. Um, but I think I do that as well. So if I have, or do it at some point, like, pretend I meant something else, um, and, and try to, to get the, the main idea of, of what we're going after here. So... I think that, um, again, our, our focus is super narrow, so I want to get a broader understanding of the word, and uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 4 today, so if you want to go ahead and start turning there, um, I'm going to give you a brief background, and this might be confusing. I apologize if it is. This, this story of um, the woman of Samaria and Jesus at the well is, is packed full of just so much. Like The context of the story could be a sermon on its own, and then more uh, after that out of just everything that's happening. But, but essentially, uh, Jesus is 
uh, meets this woman middle of the day at the well. She's an outcast of the society, and he's talking to her and um, asking her questions. You know, they, they have this conversation about living water, and he, she asks, wants to know more, and he says, well, bring your husband, and She's like, well, I, I don't have a husband. And he goes on to tell her all this about her life. He says, I know you don't. You've had five husbands, and the man you live with now isn't your husband. And she's like, well, I perceive you are a prophet, which I think is kind of funny. Like, I've always just glazed over that. And as I kept reading, I was like, what a funny thing. She's like, psychic, like, you, I perceive you are a prophet. Like, tell me more. And so it kind of made me laugh. I don't know if that's really the way it should read, but in the English, that's the way it did to me, and it, it seemed funny. And, and so her question then, she's like, well, if you're a prophet, then tell us where we should worship, because some people say it's on the mountain, and the Jewish people say it should be in Jerusalem. And so, um, so Jesus' answer to that is what we're going to look at. Where should we worship is her question. We're going to see what he says um, in response to that. So... What I, what I want to kind of connect here is that I think often that is, is our question, is our mindset of like, well, but where do we worship like, or how should we do it? Like, should it be like, it should be in a building, right? And this way, and we should have these things on the walls, and the music should sound like this. And I think that we get this worship, worship happens at the temple kind of mindset that this woman has, and it's narrow, and we're focused on the place or the way that it's all happening. And Jesus' answer changes the focus from where to who. So let's pick up with his response. If you'll stand with me. Uh, We're in John chapter 4, and we're just going to do verses 23 and 24. Uh, 761 of the ESV in your row, if you have that. So let's read uh, God's word together. Jesus says this, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for your word, for uh, the truth that is in it, for how it shapes our hearts. Um, how it moves our spirit and causes us to respond. I pray today that, um, that your word would be clear and, and not mine, that anything I say that, that is off, that is incorrect, that um, is offensive, that you would remove it, that um, the working of your Holy Spirit would um, instill in, in the hearts of all of us today what is true and um, remove anything that's not. So have your way here. Um, change us by your working, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How right, you can be seated. So each week we start out um, the gathering by saying that, that worship begins with God, right? We don't come in and say like, hey God, here's what we put together and we thought you'd really like it, so here's what we have. No, we, we start, and, and specifically I, I will try to say that every week, that worship begins with God. It didn't begin with us. Um, it's an important distinction. That's why we call this a gathering, and it's not a service. We didn't come here to, to try to serve God. We're gathered people who have been served by a loving God, right? So this is what the second half of verse 23 in John 4 says. It says, For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God's seeking us that we would return to Him. 
If worship were something we came up with and offered, like it's, it's always going to be incomplete and flawed. We have to remember that God calls and we respond. And the, this word worship, I want to make sure we kind of understand what we're saying. This Worship means to ascribe worth, and in this sense, an ultimate worth as to a God. And so when we talk about worshiping God, we're giving him ultimate value and worth over anything else in this world. So that kind of challenges that whole like how and where perception of it already. Because if worship were just about singing, and worship includes it, but it's not just about this space, then like, yeah, sorry, lost my place. Um, so it's broad. It doesn't, the word itself doesn't hint at anything about style or instrumentation or length of time or any of that. Not even the perceived quality of us. But it encompasses all of the things that we associate with it, like singing and praying and reading God's word. Um, so where we may only think that worship happens in the context of a building or when we get everything right, Jesus says the parameters have been changed. So let's talk about worship in, uh, in view of the Trinity. Uh, if you've been through the membership class here, you've heard this in uh, the core value of us as worshipers, and so we're going to read a little bit about that, and I've, I've pulled straight from that, so maybe review for some of us, but it's good to remember again. Um, our worship should be Trinitarian. You know, we worship the God of the Trinity, the Father in the Spirit through Jesus Christ. And this is what Mike Cosper, pastor at Sojourn Church in Louisville, says about the Trinity. I had the opportunity to hear him speak on um, the idea of worship and a lot of this stuff uh, a couple weeks ago. And he says this, The Trinity is always about worshiping and elevating its other members. So we must be about the same things. Right? So what happens if we don't do this? If we leave out a part of the Trinity? All right, if we leave out the Father... Worship doesn't transcend us into the heavenly realm because the Father's in heaven. It's like, it's important that the Father is a part of our worship. If we leave out the Spirit, worship's distant and it doesn't reach into our lives because we know the Holy Spirit is in us. And if we leave out the Son, worship is less than Christian because it's by Jesus' blood that we can even come before the Father. So our worship includes singing and reading the word and praying, but it also includes our response and our heart to life situations. Worship isn't about the external. It's not a time or place method. Worship is about the internal, what we know to be true and how our hearts respond to that truth. So worship, says, Jesus says, should be done in spirit and truth. So the old way of worship was based in uh, time and place. You know, you, you went to the temple. You had to make a sacrifice. It was very costly. And worship still is costly, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, the sacrifice that was made in the offering had to be done because we've rebelled against God, right? And we're sinful. Um, there were customs and rituals and cleansings that had to take place for anyone to even be able to approach God. Um, but God's wrath isn't different now than it was then. And our Father still can't tolerate sin. His nature is directly opposed to it. And so um, we see that because of Jesus, there's now a new way to come before the Father. And this is the, the truth part that we want to talk about of spirit and truth. So the new way is Jesus. You know, notice this woman's question is where. It's a very specific, like, is it here? Is it here? And Jesus flips it around. And he says, it's like, I'm not even going to answer that. Worship in spirit and truth. Changes the category. 
Um, he goes on to explain this, and it's going to set the stage for what he's going to do on the cross for us. Um, he says, the hour is coming and is now here, in a sense that I'm here, and there's a time coming that worship's going to be different forever. He's trying to show her um, that he's going to give them access to God, and that it's going to cost him everything. So this is the truth. It's the gospel message. It's what it says in uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm going to flip over there real quick. If you want to flip back a couple pages with me, we're going to look at a couple verses here in John 1. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, Jesus doesn't come in with this free pass, and he's like, Guys, I'm here. Like, it's cool now. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. You're sinful, but we're good. Like, if some dude rolled up with a bunch of bumper stickers that said, It's all good, I'm not following that guy. Like, that's not who I'm going after. Um, no, that's, that's not going to be enough, right? Truth, the truth of what Jesus has done shapes our worship. The truth is we're sinners and that we were separated for God. But our hope is that Jesus entered our mess and made a way for us to be reconciled with the Father. He came to die. And because of Jesus' perfect blood, he's fulfilled all the means needed to access the Father. No more sacrifice, no more cleansing, no more rituals. Jesus provided more than enough to make a way for us. His innocent blood pays in full our debt of sin. And the exchange of his perfect record for our sinful stained record pleads before the Father so we can now approach him. And because Jesus was spotless, there was no sin that could be held against him, death couldn't even hold him, had no claim, and he's alive. Amen? Amen. So we're now clothed in his perfection. We're seen as perfect before the Father. Like even in the mess and in all this junk that we wade through in this world, we're now seen as perfect because of Jesus. Worship has changed because of the truth of the gospel. This is head knowledge, but spirit and truth also includes the heart, right? It's not just a bunch of things that we know. It's a position of our heart. And this is what the study notes of the ESV Bible say about God as spirit. And I couldn't have said it better, so I'm just going to read it. It says, God as spirit means that God is not made of any physical matter and does not have a material body but has a more wonderful kind of existence that is everywhere present. Hence, worship is not confined to one place. It's not perceived by the bodily senses, yet his existence is so powerful that it brought the universe to be. So, the beginning of the book of John says this in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the gospel truth, right? God's Spirit created everything. It gives us this freedom that we can worship in all of life. So whether we're eating or drinking or laughing or crying or or resting, we're free to ascribe ultimate worth to the Father by the Spirit because of the truth that we have in Jesus. John Piper Uh, talks about God's spirit in his book, Desiring God. He says, True worship comes only from spirits made alive and sensitive by the quickening of the spirit of God. Our spirits are only made alive because God's spirit has done the work in us. 
<clears throat> so it's about um, worship is then less about this list of tasks that we're trying to accomplish. And it's more about a renewed spirit that's responding to the work of Jesus. We see that a loving father sent his son to die that we'd have life, that he put his spirit in us, that we might once again experience a freedom to live in all of life as worship, right? We see is that at the fall, we severed our, worship, our uh, relationship with God. We chose to worship ourselves and elevate ourselves to try to be like God. And the, what Jesus has done for us, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, gives us this new freedom where we can worship in all of life and once again have access to the Father. So let's talk about all of life as worship. <clears throat> I, uh, we, we talked about this a little in our CG, and uh, this quote came up um, <clears throat> from my friend Kyle, and couldn't shake it, and then came across it when I was looking at um, some things that Piper had written, John Piper, and, and I just love, his language is so unique. I don't know what it is about it that just um, strikes me more maybe than, than other things. Excuse me, I need a drink. Um, <clears throat> so here's his quote. You can see it on the screen. The key to praising Christ is prizing him. Christ is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And this is, this is getting to the core of what it means to experience all of life as worship. You know, if a holy God would humble himself to the point of death for the most arrogant and sinful of people, then we have all the reason in the world to respond in worship. Worship is no longer something we try, but it's this outpouring of our spirit because of the goodness and grace of God. We have cause for worship. So we need to gaze at the gospel. We talked about this back in Second uh, Peter, I think, or First Peter. I meant to write that down, and I didn't. <laughs> I thought I would remember. Um, but it's not always easy to gaze at the gospel, is it? There are a million things competing for our attention, um, and, and it can often happen kind of like quietly. Idols sneak in. They make you think that they're not so bad, and so you, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of like this, and I kind of want to spend some more time with this idol, and then like, I kind of want seven of these idols now. And, and all of a sudden, you, you're lost, and your ultimate worth is being ascribed to these worldly things. <clears throat> and often it's when we least, least expect it, excuse me. But if we stop and think about it, we see that we're really good at worshiping because of when we look at our idols, right? We consider the ways we will gaze at any screen. I don't have my phone on me, but like the way a screen can capture our gaze for like way too long. Like you, you're almost like you're at the table with somebody. You're like, hey, are you there? Did you get sucked in to your iPhone? I don't know what happened to you. And it's me. That's usually like what people are saying to me. They're like, hey, we're eating. And I'm like, oh, sorry. There was an eBay auction on a guitar ending, and I just wanted to see how much it went for. You know, it's silly. We do it with, with Pinterest, with Facebook, with all these things where, you know, Pinterest is like, ah, oh, if I could just have all these things for my house. Like, if I could make all these crafts on Facebook, if I could just if I could just, like, have the family they had, or if I could be in Brazil right now, because it looks amazing. Like, I don't know if you saw a couple pictures, but Brazil looks beautiful. Um, so, for me, it's uh, an app called Reverb, and I think, like, three of us in the room know what it is, and I see the other two guys laughing, because it's, it's this app, just like eBay, but it's only vintage guitar gear and, like, boutique stuff, like, handmade, really cool, 
and I will just like sit in my living room. Like I'll have some on TV. I'm not even paying attention. I don't care about the TV because I can infinitely scroll through all the coolest gear that I wish I could have. And the idol, the truth I start to believe in those moments is that that idol like might actually, like if I could get the guitar, I would be so much better at guitar. And I would have like the tone that I've always wanted. There, there's a hilarious hashtag on that I've seen of all these guys who build gear, and it's like hashtag chasing tone. And it makes me laugh so hard because I'm like, are we really that? Like nobody, nobody else cares but us. Um, but, but we know how to worship. I'll gaze at that stuff. I'll give it my undivided attention. It'll consume my thoughts. And I give it like this ultimate value that like I could really get something I can't find anywhere else in those things, which is a huge joke, right? That is, that is completely void of truth. When we're talking about spirit and truth worship, there's no truth in an idol. It's never going to deliver what we hope it's going to deliver. And a lot of times we may get those things that we had always wanted, and we get it, and we're kind of like, oh, it's just, it's just a guitar. I thought it was going to have, like, magic dust in it that would make me shred, like, Santana. I don't, you know, just... Like, it's ridiculous. That's not, there's no truth in that. I, if, if I really speak those things out loud, like, I don't believe that's really going to happen. But I, fundamentally, like, I, I act like I believe those things. So, uh, wow, I really got, really got going on that, didn't I? Um, the, the point of all that, these good gifts are meant to point us back to Jesus. They're not meant to, to consume us and become our idols. Um, gazing at the gospel will give us an understanding more deeply that Jesus has done what he's done and that he'll give us the hope that we're after. So the key to praising Christ is prizing him. Like, let's, let's remember that. We need to look at the gospel instead of those idols and see that we're loved, see that we're accepted, see that those things we think we need, we probably really don't need as much, that we have all we need in Jesus. And so then we have this freedom that our whole lives can be about worship, Right? It's not a work of our hands. We, we're reflecting on, on, on the Lord's work in our lives at CG, and it was this amazing, like, really, like, I mean, it was like this worship, this moment of worship for all of us, and it was definitely filled with spirit and truth. We reflected on the truth of the gospel, how it's changed our lives, and how God's hand, like we talked about the silent sovereignty of God, how in the mundane things, God has worked things for his purposes, and they're good. Like, we were able to worship in that, to hear my brothers and sisters just saying, like, I was here, and I had no idea how I was ever going to get out of it, and, and God showed up in a huge way, or maybe in really small ways, you know, like, the way he brought marriages together, the way he's brought people to this place at this time. Um, it's God's sovereign work. So our worship should happen in those mundane things of life, too. Not when we get it all together and make this big production of a Sunday or something, right? If you're changing diapers, praise God for the diapers. And I want to say, I know you're, some of you are like, I know you. You're not married. You don't have kids. You probably don't change a lot of diapers. But I changed a bunch of diapers from like age 10 to 18 when I lived at home. I had two younger siblings, and I changed a bunch. And I did not, I probably was not worshipful in that. But now... I see that, I see what a joy it is and what a blessing children are. How caring for them is a gift from our Father, and it shows how much He cares for us. And we get to remember that in those moments. You know, if we're cleaning up messes, whether it's from our roommates or from kids or, you know, customers at the place you work, like, it sounds like a Jesus juke, totally. 
and I think it's like a good one. Like, consider the mess that you are and the mess that you were in in your sin and how God our Father came and cleaned up our mess. And then consider how small of the messes, uh, how small the messes are here that we face and, and worship. Like, let our hearts be moved, right? Let that knowledge of what Jesus has done move our hearts to respond. Um, let's give him the ultimate worth in that moment. So worship can happen in silence, too. It's one thing I don't want us to miss. Like, if you show up and, and the best you can do, best you can do, I don't think it's even that. If all you can do, like, on a Sunday when you come in, is sit and let the, the words of liturgy and, and the words of the songs just kind of, like, wash over you and, and think about them, like, do that. Like, let that be worship. Let it happen in quiet. If you're with a group of people and you're praying and you're like, man, it's awkward, it's silent. Like, something's wrong. Somebody say something. Like, understand that we don't need to have all the words. Let that silence, silence be a time to just think that, like, I'm breathing. Like, I have breath. What, what a gift of grace that I woke up this morning um, and that I'm alive. And when you need to rest, rest. We're made to sleep so that we could be renewed in our bodies and minds. Like, that's worship. You don't, don't feel guilty because you had to go to sleep because you were exhausted feel guilty if you sleep like 16 hours and you didn't go to work, but, but don't feel guilty when you need to rest. We're made to rest and, and breathe. Like I said, remember that those are mercies from God. Consider good food, the warm sun, not today, winter's back. I'm not sure what happened there, but when the sun comes back out, consider that. Consider the changing of the seasons and how God is making all things new. All of our conversations, like it's all a gift. Let's remember that and let it cause us to worship. But worship is not just an internal thing. I know I've kind of torn down some of the external. Um, and, and it's not just a personal thing. Like, it's not just like me and Jesus and we're good. No, like it, the word is full of stories of people hearing the good news of Jesus. And what, what's the first thing they do? Like, they don't run home and like lock themselves in a closet and like try to be holy. They go tell all their friends. Like, they're running into a city like to tell everyone like, you're never going to believe what happened. Like, you're never going to believe what, what Jesus just told me. Like, this truth I've heard of, of who I am and, and what he's done for me. Um, yeah. So the primary expression um, of worship is kind of with the gathered church, right? Like, we worship in our lives, but, but this is a big, a big deal. And it is a time we come together and worship, and it should be important. Um, it's not the only way, but it is like a really big way. Like we gather because we're redeemed people. And we've been reconciled to a family together. Um, See, so yeah, I kind of tore it down, built it back up. Like it's still important. You don't want to neglect the gathering because it's not just the songs we sing. If it was just the songs, like people, there'd be weeks when people don't come back. Like music's not going to cut it, right? We need truth in that. Um, so that probably provides some relief for some of you who are like, I don't sing. Like, I couldn't hit a C if I fell out of a boat. <laughs> that, that's my really bad joke. If you, you'll, if you find it later, just let a laugh out or a boo. Again, that's fine. Um, but, but our worship, it's not limited to music, right? So we need to let that, um, let that move through our gathering and, and not let that overwhelm the focus of, like, either worship was good or I hated it. Um, we're here to respond to what Jesus has done, and it should be a continuation of, of our lifestyle and not just like this event that we show up to. So Sunday becomes a celebration of what's already happening throughout the week. Um, 
and don't miss the internal spirit and truth opportunity to worship here because I think that like we we may begin to understand it in the rest of our life but then we come to a gathering and we're like yeah but there are like these weird dancing things on the wall and people and I'm super distracted by the strange thumbless dancer over there you know or like why are the why is this thing flickering or why is that person doing that it's driving me crazy um, I wish that we had this, or I wish it sounded like this. Like, don't let the external um, steal from you the opportunity to worship in spirit and truth. Um, <clears throat> we know sometimes the music isn't what you wanted it to be, and, and you don't know the songs, but we can step back and, and appreciate that we're gathered as the body, that singing is an opportunity to, to do something in unity together, to pray is an opportunity to be reminded of truth together. Word tells us not to neglect gathering, but I'd like to say, like, I don't think we have to even worry that the Word tells us we should, because I think if we've been affected by the gospel, we're going to want to be here, right? Like, when it snowed out, I was like, I don't want to be at home. Like, this is, I don't like this. I would rather be worshiping and gathered with the body of believers. Um, so if you don't have that yet, then, then pray that the Lord would deepen your understanding of the gospel, that he would reveal to you what he's done, and that we, he would help you to worship in that way. Um, that he would be the spring of life within you, that your words and your decisions flow from. If you don't feel like shouting or jumping around or raising your hands, like, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to. It's not, that's not expected. Maybe you're broken over your sin, and the best you can do is, you know, again, just sit and and participate in spirit and truth by letting your heart be affected by what's happening. But, you know, so I'll say this too, is the one leading music, like, I'd gladly take a decreased participation in, like, audible singing from the body if it meant that your hearts were being more affected. Like, I'm not after, like, I think that the job of a worship leader, which is funny, I, I was thinking about that, I'm like, is that, a, should I even talk about that title if I'm talking about how worship isn't just music because, so as the person leading the band, I'm fine with you not singing as much if I know your heart's being affected by the gospel. I don't even need to know, that's not, it's not about me knowing, but, but I want your hearts to be affected by that. Um, but I do think that if the gospel moves in our heart, again, not only will we want to be here, but we'll want to participate. We'll want to sing, even if we're not very good at it. And that's okay. You should. You should have freedom to know in the gospel that nobody's here, like, on The Voice or whatever. What's the one? Uh, American Idol, Simon Cowell. Like, he's not going to tell you how horrible you were. Um, and for the rest of us, we should appreciate when someone sings and when someone can lift their hands and when they can respond in spirit and truth. And let that move our hearts as well. Um, and a good hearty amen. We're good with those too. Like, I, I hope that as the gospel continues to move in our hearts, we see a more responsive um, time in singing and, and in worship and more responses in, in sermons. And I'm not asking for one right now. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I didn't even plan on saying that, and then it just happened. So, um, so yeah. I think that we'll become more celebratory in our scattered lives, so outside and gathered with the body as we understand the gospel more. So let's let the gathering be filled with our worship. Let our lives be filled with worship. I challenge you to look for the ways that uh, your heart experiences it throughout the week, as we talked about. You know, as you see that God's provided for you and continues to be faithful when you're at home with your kids or as you're with your family, just enjoying that time. 
when you have a great conversation at a community group or with a friend about Jesus that just causes something in you to just be filled with joy, like see those moments as worship. When you see the sun coming up and, and you can't help but say like, that is beautiful. Like give the glory, give that worship to your creator. Know that it's him who made it, right? Know that we're his. So um, those moments when our spirit experiences a more full life and joy because of God's truth, are moments of assurance that his spirit's at work within us. Those moments bring us a more expanded view of worship, one that can really encompass all of our lives. And so we'll read this quote again from John Piper. The key to praising Christ is prizing him. Christ is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. All right, let's pray. Father God, um, thank you that you've made a way for us to come and worship. Thank you that, um, that your work on the cross is more than enough, that it's finished, that death couldn't hold you, um, and that you've made us new, that you're continually working in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, thank you that um, all of our life can now be this responsive worship to you. So whether we're eating our breakfast or um, laying down for a nap, we can know that, um, that we can worship you. We can let our hearts be pointed to you, that we can see idols for the lie that they are, and that we can put those away. We can see that they're, they're rubbish. It's nothing compared to the joy of knowing you. God, as we talked about um, last week, let us not trade in our crown of unfading glory for something lesser. But God, to do that, we need to truly believe deeply in what you've done for us through the cross. We need to truly know that, um, that your gospel is sweeter and that it's better than all the other things of this world that we could ever go after. Um, so yeah, move in our hearts today continue to change us by your spirit. Remove the things that distract us. Remove the external and that um, in our spirit we could, we could worship because of your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.